You got to look inside the pictures. That's what I'm telling you, Todd. Well, that's what you're telling me. Because I did. I looked inside the pictures. Layers. It's it's got layers layers to it. Protective perspective. It's a book. It's it's not just a picture book. That's what we're trying to say. It's a book by Todd Fox. It's out now. You got to pick it up. We're going to get into it. But the thing is, you open it up. And it's about the whole protective operations going to behind a major tour. We're talking a major tour. I've seen part of it. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing I saw. But the deal is there is so much in these pictures. And now that you said, look in the layers, I'm like, oh, okay, I got to take a look at this now because there's a lot that goes in to tour protection. Absolutely. Todd, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to the protectors, the new trademark registered trademarked protectors. I love it. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thanks, brother. I don't know how many episodes I'm going to say this in, but I'm really excited about it. Maybe another three or four people. Keep saying it. Todd, you've been on a show before and you've also written books before, very technical books, but now we're into the, hey, you know what? You have an audience out there who's visual. So let's show them what goes into this planning process. And we're talking major venues here. So let's just jump right into it. You know, you get notification you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to hire you out. You're going to be going on tour for how many? How long do you go on tours for? Three to six months. Three to six months. That's a hell of a lot of planning process. Yeah. When you get notification, you get a contract. How what is it? You know what? I don't even know what it is. What is it? A contract notification? Do they solicit or is it just? Yeah. So it depends on what your relationship is like with the artist directly or with the management group or an agent. So different entities hire us and it depends on the relationship. It depends on their need and also kind of what they're after, what exists in that realm. So for us, we tend to get um, artists or clients that are more interested in the cerebral component as opposed to the security by the pound. Cause we don't have a lot of, you know, six foot eight, 300 pound guys. We've got a lot, a lot of guys that plan, coordinate, come from military law enforcement special operations background. Um, So normally we get contacted usually two to three months before, and in some cases, even a year before. So it it just depends on who it is and what they're after and and the threat profile of that client or the awareness of of the client. Now, is this kind of like one of those things where like, okay, we're going to hire Todd out and Todd brings people with him? Or does sometimes these tour companies have like their own like liaison? No, typically when they hire us, it's our team. Occasionally they'll have a secondary team that maybe has some type of um, relationship with somebody else in the camp and, and they just don't want to let them go. So they're there for the ride. But typically when when we get hired, it's it's our show and, and we get to to manage things and navigate it in the way that, that we best see fit, assuming it's approved by the artist. Now you're coming from Marine background. You have that planning process. Anybody in the military knows something about planning and the operational aspects of it. How did you get into this? Let's take it. Let's go on a way back machine. And how did you get into the tour? You know, the tour protection business. And I was I was working. Um, had a really weird job in the Marine Corps. What we call a B billet, which is secondary to your primary job. And um, that job was a motion picture liaison. So I basically went north of of Camp Pendleton to LA and uh, I was in an office where we'd get scripts from DOD to approve and look at and say, oh yeah, the jargon's right. It's good. It portrays the Marine Corps in a positive way. And then when they go to production, they get support of DOD and DOD says, hey, let them on base, let them train you know, this op and connect them with the commander. And we're going to do this op anyway, so it doesn't take anything for them to train it. Um, or, or film it rather. Uh, so I was doing that 
and, you know, go on set and basically are technical advisors. So you teach them how to walk and talk. And like, no, we wouldn't say, you know, latrine, we say head in the Marine Corps. We, you know, we wouldn't say, uh, you know, lunchroom, we would say chow hall. Uh, and then you're going to adjust their ribbons and medals and how they walk and talk and all that stuff. And then you're on set for, for continuity purposes. And, and as I'm sure, you know, uh, reality doesn't always matter. So you can advise them on, Hey, this is how we do it. And they say, yeah, it's not so sexy. We don't want to do it that way. And they change it. So I was doing that. And while I was doing that, I was fighting um, in what was called no holds barred at the time. It was pre-MMA. Um, and a, a, a guy came into the gym at Hicks and Gracie's who wanted to do some training and wanted to do uh, some MMA training. And Hickson wasn't available to him. And I was the only guy at the time that was an MMA guy. And, uh, it turned out he started dating Madonna and he had asked me to come over one day and, uh, in, in my service alphas coming out of the office, went over to Beverly Hills and, uh, was introduced to Madonna. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. You know, but we're talking like, you know, we're talking on the resume. We're talking mid midlife Madonna too. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. Midlife Madonna. Not the, I mean, she's kind of, you know, she's still Madonna. Yeah, I don't know. that's a whole nother story brother you know man um you've had a hell of a career so far with this with the tour security so you get out of the marines and you're like hey let's do this no i'm still i'm still in the marine corps and um so i was next to mexico it's a couple hours away from mexico and i'm a spanish speaker so i was getting these guys the production guys uh directors uh entertainment guys who were like hey we're going down here for a vacation you speak it you're a fighter uh, we're going to bring you with us a security or a translator or an assistant. And so I would take time and, and uh, go there on leave and, and work protection jobs. Uh, they hired me for all the wrong reasons because there's no relationship between fighting and protection, but they didn't know that. And so I'd already been doing it. And then by the time I met let's, guys, let's, let's talk like, about that right there. I mean, there is, I mean, you have to know some sort of physical techniques, but well, it's not like the key to the yeah. game, you know? Uh, so the physical techniques that, you should know and should be able to implement under stress uh, very well. Those things are for when everything else fails. So the whole idea is to know where you're going, know about that area, to build a network within that area, to have these layers that will detect something as it starts to unfold, and then to kind of protect your bubble and not let people in it or near it, or at least have some level of control to utilize the intelligence that you built into the network. Uh, So by the time things start to go wrong, you still are not in the fighting phase. At that point, you're evacuating, you're leaving, you're avoiding the fight, um, you're getting offline. The The idea with fighting somebody is that everything else has failed and that's the last option. And it's a liability from a physical perspective because you can be killed or your client can be killed. But uh, in other aspects like uh, civil liability, it's it's a major problem because if you look at the, the net worth of most of these people, it's considerable. And if I do something and I'm an average Joe, I don't have anything, they're not going to come after me. They're going to come after my client. So fighting in, in and of itself is a liability. And it's an asset when you've kind of uh, exhausted all of the other measures in the structure that you've built based on your training and experience and, you know, the things that are available to you in a given market. And that brings us back to the book. You know, when you take a look at your book though, I mean, that's really what it is. You're not, when you, when you thumb through your book and you're reading about what goes on behind the scenes, and that's what I really want people to understand. This is behind the scenes of like a major tour. 
And for the music enthusiasts out there and for anybody else, you might be like, oh, that'd be kind of a cool book to look at. So you don't just have to be in a security field, but you're not going to see like armed guys. You're not going to see like this heavy handed, like, you know, six foot 10, 300 pound guy. You're going to see what really goes in behind the scenes, those layers of security. And that's kind of why I wanted to hit off on like a lot of people when they think of security, they think of heavy handedness. They think of the hell's angels protecting the Rolling Stones. Uh, they think about that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's why I kind of really dig this book, man. I don't know if people are old enough to remember what you referenced. I know, I know. If, well, I, if, if they do, they'll also remember the liability that was created from that. And, and uh, that was catastrophic. Yeah. If anybody just Google Hell's Angels, Rolling Stones, and you're going to be like, whoa, mm-hmm. damn. Okay, brother, let's talk about this. The, so we get into the planning process. You know, we, we, we fast forward to where you first, what was your first major tour? Like where you're the man. Uh, well, I, I had a weird setup, like starting with Madonna because Guy put me in so that he had somebody to train with, right? So I wasn't really put <laughs> in to do the work and I was the only non-Brit that was on the tour. And so there was this animosity because this young American Marines coming in and, you know, uh, they didn't want to help him. And uh, they also, none of them were real fighters. And so what ended up happening is they're seeing me train guy. And so there's this wall between us. And so I had to learn everything literally on my own. And so the next few tours that I went to, I was able to take bits and pieces of what I saw that was done right. And what I saw that was done wrong. And I was able to write up what we call a security advance, uh, a document that outlines what we want done and how we want it done uh, at the venue, everything from, Uh, law enforcement and medics to how they open doors to how they do searches to what they sell to the times and locations that security staff is going to go to the times or places of uh, uh, placement for barrier um, all these little bits and pieces and then you know any critical incident planning stuff like that so um, I had a really short fuse and I'm thankfully thankful for having those guys who were who were not very helpful who intentionally would give disinformation because it forced me to grow it forced me to understand it in a way that I never would have understood it if I didn't deal with that kind of uh, adversity and animosity holy crap you had me really thinking now because you a lot of people think okay when you get to the venue, you know, you're going to have just, you just have to deal with the band, but then you have the roadies, but then you have the people selling things. And then you have the outside. I mean, these layers are layers upon layers upon layers. And I saw that when I went to see you in, um, with your tour and having these different people and these different, just uh, so many different layers from the locals, the local venue has security, but then you have the local police departments and then you have, and depending on your venue, like let's say you're in a DC where you're going to have some sort of federal liaison. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a metric shit ton of layers yeah, I mean, into this. You're talking about like, for example, in DC, there are other layers as well, because so many people have jurisdiction there and so many dignitaries are coming out to that event. So you have to do all the deconfliction with all the armed elements that are in there. So you don't mistake them for somebody else, one. And two, even, even things like communications are changed because they have um, communications gear and assets inside that venue in particular uh, that they won't tell you about. They won't disclose it, but it starts to affect frequency. It starts to affect communication. It affects the wireless mics for the artist. It affects you know secondary and tertiary uh, comms measures for the security team. So it, it creates all kinds of issues. Wow, brother. So you know, we had Madonna, really great lessons uh, learned for you. What was your first 
major event that you were the man? Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say because it depends on on how you see it. Um, and what I mean is, typically in in touring, uh, positions are broken up, right? So they're broken up into personal security, which is close protection of the artist, and then venue security, which is like advanced site survey, who deal with you know passes and structure and the liaison to the venue itself and what the protocols are for the show. So it, it depends. I, very quickly, um, I ended up in the head of personal security role, and then very shortly after. Um, in in venue and then now for the most part anywhere that I'm going when I have a team it's it's more of an oversight like a director of security and you're controlling those those elements so you might have a guy that's jumping ahead in every city who's your advanced guy you might have a venue guy who controls all the venue stuff and then two or three guys with the artist so uh, uh, unfortunately and also fortunately you know that happened for me very quickly right after Madonna I jumped in and and you know I was dealing with um perfect circle and tool and and uh, Morrissey and Motley Crue and uh you name it it's a long long list of people um and and it was like it's you you figure it out go so it's such an almost like secret service type mentality you know when you think about like you're protecting a dignitary even dip, uh, diplomatic security service and all that where you have an advanced team, you have to make the liaisons and you have to be a people person. So when you're talking about like, you know, you can be a Johnny Ninja on a spot, former, whatever, but the reality is you really have to be a people person and a salesman because you're selling it. You got to sell it. You got to be able to talk to someone. You got to be like, Hey, this is the deal. It's like that verbal judo, man. You got to be a black belt, like fifth degree black belt in this verbal judo or yeah. nowadays the, the verbal jujitsu I, I think anytime you think about it um you know in, in in our case like you reference um secret service or diplomatic security service who were probably you know the leaders in the field at least uh seemingly um and those guys have these massive networks um not just stateside but oconus and you know, we don't have that. We have a handful of guys doing their thing with no legal authority to do the thing we're doing. Um, and even within licensing, that's a challenge. So I have to use secondary or tertiary parties to carry out an act. Let's say I'm overseas and I can't carry a firearm. It's like, oh, you're HR 218. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Um, so now I've got this third party carrying it out. And now if that guy isn't able to talk to people, isn't able to communicate with people. I have a problem. So every person on that team needs to have the skills that you're mentioning, because when you're going somewhere and it's a foreign language and it's, it's a high intensity situation, and there's a lot of emotion involved, let's say Brazil or any, anywhere in Latin America, um, you better have those local cultural skills, the people skills, how to deal with people, how to calm situations down, you know, how to convey information, how to build a network and rapport. And that's where, uh, and I think I'm, I know I put this in the book. That's where these kind of little things, right, uh, which we may use as bona fides in in one location. Uh, and, use... and for the listening audience out there, uh, Todd was just showing a couple like challenge coins, yeah, pins. These are things that like uh, cops worldwide. If you throw them a challenge coin, like oh wow, this is like the best thing. Um, I started doing these. Um, they're poker chips, so I use poker chips all the time, and I put the protectors logos on them because you know. We're uh, we're looking for sponsors all the time out there for the Protectors Podcast. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like they're, they're very cheap, but they go a long way. They're huge. And, and the thing is, you don't know the value until you're overseas and you can't get shit done. And you present a little thing, you talk a certain way, and then they open these doors that officially can't open. And, and 
I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. You know, I was dealing with somebody, um, law enforcement in a foreign country, and I'm asking for some stuff and, you know, they can't do anything. And this guy is making the equivalent of $6 an hour, right? Because law enforcement overseas is very different than the U.S. And all he wants at the end of the day is a picture with the artist and uh, a t-shirt. That's literally what this guy wanted. And he was holding us up outside of, it's called La Casa Rosada, uh, the, the pink house in, in Buenos Aires in Argentina, which is the equivalent of the White House. And he was holding us up after a meeting with the literal president of the country, maybe 200 meters from this, this place. And uh, all he wanted was that he wanted a picture with the artist and he wanted some type of swag. So instead of standing there and argue with him for an hour, get it done and move on. And, and it comes down to those little things, but you have to know that you have to be aware of what they're after. I almost want to finish the rest of this interview in Spanish. So I meant to have it on The pink ass. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, why, you know, you wrote books before you wrote this one. Now, what is your audience? I mean, I really think this book is great for not just the people in a protective industry, but also the people in it that love the music industry and behind the scenes. Because I don't know about you, man, but you and uh, my buddy John from Silver Spirit, I've gotten me like behind the scenes and seeing some things. And I love it, man. I love that feeling. Yeah. Um, to your question, uh, I, I think you're on point. This book is different than the others. And the reason that it's different is because it's very visual. And, and what we've found through studies over and over and over again, and this is documented in, in multiple peer-reviewed studies, is that people will retain visual information past three days at a rate of 65%. So it beats auditory, right? It beats kinesthetic. It's it's the way. It's the way people take information and process it. And your eyes are a direct link, obviously, to your brain. So when I put these pictures in, uh, I think it opened the door um, for people that are interested in travel, people that are interested in photography, people that are interested in the music business as, as a fan, people that are interested in getting in the music business management side of things, um, security guys that are working like static post work, security guys that are doing close protection. Um, so it opens it up. Whereas my other books are really kind of, two of them are um, like, tour specific related. So if you're not doing tour security or wanting to do that, it doesn't make sense. And then the last one that you and I talked about protection for and from humanity, that's really a systems and processes book for anybody looking to implement security at their house or their office or, uh, you know, how to look at a specific situation. And this book's not that this book is, is a behind the scenes on a world tour kind of seeing things. And then you know, the way that it's written is you've got a page with a photo on it. And then next to it, you've got kind of a little summary statement or idea or concept that that will lead you down a certain path for that image, why it's significant. And then beyond that, there are some elements in most of the pictures that can be taken away if they really scrutinize the photo. So there are layers to it for everybody, I believe. Well, the good thing too is it's picture books. I, I have the combat arms background with infantry and artillery. So pictures are very good for me. Marines, obviously very good. with the No pictures. crayons. There are no crayons that come with this book. Oh, so. damn. You know, that's one thing I was waiting for a crayon to fall out. Now that would have been perfect. Uh, brother, one thing I do want to ask is we have a lot of people changing careers. And I tell people nowadays, whenever, especially when I talk about law enforcement, that you know, law enforcement doesn't have to be like your whole career. You can go and do other things. Maybe someone reads this book or they, they talk about it. And you're like, you know, man, I really want to try something different. And you kind of almost in a way fell into this business and kind of said, oh, wow, man, this is it. 
But nowadays with this advent of these things called podcasts and technology and stuff, we could talk about like someone wants to get into this business. How would they, how would they even start? Um, well, there are a lot of ways to start. There is no one size fits all kind of way. Like this is the single formula to do it. And, and mine was definitely, as you noted, falling in, like it was not intended. It wasn't by design. It just happened. All these variables lined up, uh, I had an opportunity. I took it and then I developed it further. Um, but I would say for most people, like if it was a young person and they really thought they wanted to do this, I would say to go into the military and do three or four years. I would say go into law enforcement and do three or four years. I think there's kind of a, um, you know, a, a shelf life with a lot of that stuff for people, right? You can learn the primary lessons of military, the primary lessons of law enforcement in a very short period of time, right? And in one good tour and not, not all tours are good, but one good tour, you, you learn a lot. And then I would start transitioning that way. So there are a bunch of companies that do different types of protection, but there are only a handful that do protection relative to celebrities like tour protection or, you know, celebrity on site, uh, like set location filming. Um, and I would start targeting them. The best thing to do for a young person, if they can go in the military now or go into law enforcement now and get that experience, that'll give them something on their resume. And then to start communicating early with the people that do the job that they think they want to do. And if they can find somebody that's like me, and when I say like me, I don't mean um, to say that I'm good or bad. I mean to say that we'll tell them the truth, meaning that, hey, you're going to work a 16 hour day, six to seven days a week. It's not sexy. The sexiness is one hour here, one hour there. And flying around on a private jet and staying in a five-star hotel, that becomes very old. You're not going to see your family. You're not going to sleep in your bed. You're not going to work out the way you want to work out. You're not going to eat what you want to eat. So they need to find a mentor that will give them a straight scoop instead of selling them the sexy idea. And, um, as much research as they can do on the local level and then try to get it on the international level. So start early is, is the solution, right? Military law enforcement with an eye on transitioning, knowing kind of that's the general direction that I want to head. I like the reverse salesman technique as well. You don't sell the sexy, you sell the reality. And if you want the reality, maybe it's going to be better than that. Maybe it'll be worse, but at least you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've been in police, you've been in the military or anything in those fields, you're already going to know what suck is. Nothing is, unless you're in like the FBI or some bullshit, nothing is like sexy, sexy all the time. You have to get there and you got to, you got to really experience something. That's why I like having people that have experiences and getting that, getting like adversity and then jumping into it and networking, find a mentor whatever career go into it, but specifically if you're going to get into this career, please get a mentor. Yeah, it's a small, it's a small circle, right? And with with technology now, things are, are much easier to access or find information about. You know, you're not going to the library using the Dewey Decibel system to find an Encyclopedia Britannica on protection work, right? You just punch in your phone and you find all kinds of information. The 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 trick is finding the right mentor, finding the right field because Let's say in, in my field, for example, I much prefer to be doing the advancing the site survey, right? Where I'm going to a place, I'm looking at a place, I'm taking photos, I'm writing notes, I'm meeting with people, I'm doing walkthroughs, and then I'm building this big picture. And then I pass it off. I receive the artist at the FBO. I move them to where, wherever they're going. And then somebody else deals with them the rest of the time and I move on to the next spot. I like more of that movement. I don't like the politics of being up close and personal with the artist. Do I have that? Yes. I've got that with five or six clients that 
it's just the way the relationship was built, but I don't prefer that. So you have to learn kind of where you're wanting to go with it. And, um, it can be done and there's definitely a way to do it. But as you said, if you learn how to uh, deal with the suck from the military law enforcement side first, then it becomes much easier when you move into, you know, the private jets and the four seasons and all this silliness that comes with it. But let me tell you something, when you work in this industry, you don't know who the enemy is. And when you are working in those other industries, it's usually easier to figure out who it is you're going to have a problem with. So there are some tricks there as well. But again, uh, an experienced mentor could could articulate that. Well, I love it, brother. The book is Protective Perspective. You're not a big, huge social media guy, mm-hmm. but we're going to get this out there. Everybody, please check it out. Where can we find the book? Uh, the book right now is available at tourprotection.com. And I think that should be on the screen right there uh, under my face. Um if it's not tourprotection.com is the site, uh, eventually it'll go, uh, and when I say eventually two or three weeks, it'll be on Apple and iTunes and, you know, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that stuff where the other books are at. But for right now, you know, we really believe in the actual hard copy of the book because you get to kind of see some of the photos and, mm-hmm. and things in, in the quality of the book, the thickness of the paper, the texture of the book, it, it's different. It's a different experience. And so, um, if you're interested in the book, I would buy it off the site. I wouldn't wait for the digital version with my other books. I don't think there's a huge difference with the digital, but with this book, there is, there's a visceral component to this. Book. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Make sure you head to tourprotection.com. And if you could find Todd Fax, follow him, but he's tough to find brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Congratulations, man.